Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast, Snail by Snail, brought to you by Slow Food Portland. Kaylee Summers is the Forest Grove Farmers Market Manager for Adelante Mujeres, a local nonprofit committed to the education and empowerment of low-income Latina women. We sat down to talk about the holistic and interconnected view that roots this organization and how those values are uniquely serving the needs of women and families in Western Washington County. I'm Antonella and this is Snail by Snail. So I think we should start at the beginning. Um, And we'd spoken about this a little bit about sort of the mission statement and what drives Adelante Mujeres, because it it feels from the reader's perspective that you guys have such a holistic vision that it isn't um, just about service, but service really respectful of the environment, of culture, of a lot of different aspects. Um, So I'd love to get your perspective of how that all came about. Sure, yeah. Um, Adelante Mujeres was formed in 2002, and um, the co-founders, Bridget Cook and Sister Barbara, Mm -hmm. were both working in Cornelius, Oregon, um, at Centro Cultural, and they were particularly working with a group of women, um, and decided to create this women-only class because they felt like um, in the Latina culture, there's there's some hesitation and there wasn't as much engagement when it was a co-ed classroom. Mm. And they really wanted to allow that opportunity for women to be able to speak freely, to really engage in their education. Yeah. So they started this class and the women were much more engaged, much mm. more actively participating in activities. And so... They just really felt like this was what needed to happen, what they were seeing as a a crucial, um, essential service for the community. Mm -hmm. And really, since that point and spinning that class off into what is now Adelante Mujeres, Mm -hmm. uh, we've really grown by looking at the needs of the community and I think, you know, and that's shown in we've we started with more of this formal education um, classes around uh, math and reading mm, and writing mm-hmm. and English. Um, but then no one person can just learn math and English and, and reading. Um, yeah. But really, in order to thrive, we need to look more holistically at our, our own lives and um, the lives of, of everyone in our community. And so from that, hearing the families, hearing the women mm-hmm. talk about their kids and how important um, their kids' education was mm-hmm. to just the success of their family, that um, then there's, there's a portion that was added on with the Early Childhood Education Program and having time where moms and kids could be in school at the same time, um, learning together, building those relationships, the parent-child relationship. Mm-hmm. So then parenting classes are added in and, yeah. and a leadership component. And um, so I think we, we really do take things, the holistic uh, portion of our mission really, really seriously in that, in that way. Yeah, I know the words that jumped out at me were this idea of interrelatedness, 
things like ecological awareness and even cultural heritage, which I think is really unique that you wouldn't necessarily think a nonprofit in terms of service is going to have their feelers out and make sure that they're really sensitive to those big other huge global topics. Yeah, and I think uh, we aren't isolated people. <laughs> you of know, course. we aren't um, these individuals that are just kind of bumping into each other in the world, and we really are interconnected. And I think from the very beginning, that was a really important part of the structure of the classes that mm-hmm. we found a lot of um, the women were felt isolated in their situation and yeah. felt alone. They felt like before they started these classes, they would be sitting at home um, a lot of times either just taking care of their kids and uh, not really knowing how to move forward or having those uh, social connections to be able to um, further their learning, further their capacity in in a lot of ways and to really support their families Mm -hmm. and so that piece of interconnectedness was really important in supporting their peers in class um, but also giving back to the community and how much that contributes not just to the community but to your feeling like you're empowered feeling like you have the leadership skills to contribute and to give back Mm-hmm. Um, to people and uh, and the connection to the earth. I think that's also another thing that's unique about the programs that um, from the very beginning we we understand that if we don't treat the the earth, the world <laughs> in an appropriate way as part of this interconnected web, that it makes us sick. It makes us um, not as productive and not mm-hmm. as happy and, and healthy in the world. And so um, that was important in the message that we were um, mm-hmm. relaying on to families too, and the importance of, uh, you know, if whether it's cleaning products, let's say, yeah. um, making your own homemade um, uh, cleaning products or soaps or things that uh, wouldn't be harmful to you or your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when you're washing them down the drain, they're not going to be killing fish and yes. <laughs> all the rest of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then. I think it's grown, too. So beyond just our education classes in our small business development classes, Mm. in our agricultural program, with our ag program, we really felt like it was important that we were teaching sustainable methods, that it wasn't Mm -hmm. just um, conventional farming to get a job, but really that there's a... A larger vision here that we're giving back to the soil, giving back to, um, yeah, the, the environment in that way. Yeah, which is interesting from a slow food perspective. It's almost like those values are, they're just reflected. And like, as I was reading the mission statement, it was like, oh, wow, cultural heritage, ecologic awareness. These are all things that I think is slow food we think of in terms of food but then to see an organization who's like living and breathing it in terms of education and small business and food is really inspiring to just see like oh wow yeah this these ideas can really go out in the world and make a huge impact and what's what's interesting too I think is that these aren't new concepts to the community that we serve Mm -hmm. that a lot of the experience for immigrants Um, you know, coming from, let's say, Mexico, that 
they, in their home village where they came from, they were living these practices day to day. Yeah. Or a lot of folks, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, recently we, we interviewed some of our food businesses, mm-hmm. um, like our catering company. And, um, and they were talking about how coming to the U.S. and starting up their business as a catering business how they were encouraged by the program to buy local foods and um, buy from the sustainable ag or um, farmers in the sustainable ag program and how it's such a different experience because back in Mexico they would just grow their own food Mm. use it in the things that they cooked and it was all you know it was all connected in that way it wasn't this newfound idea like hey we hit onto something (laughs) exactly yeah like oh wow this is such an incredible idea like let's take care of things and let's Mm -hmm. grow our own food and all of that so I think it going back to um, also the component of making sure that we're celebrating and encouraging those cultural traditions it goes back to that too that this is not a new concept we're just encouraging and and um, and re-enlightening that idea Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so with that background, how did the Forest Grove Farmers Market come to fruition? Sure. <laughs> so um, these the education programs were established in 2002, like I said, mm-hmm. and the organization became Adelante Mujeres. And then um, families talked about, you know, having more programs for their their kids. The early childhood education mm-hmm. program came on pretty quickly after that. Shortly after that, too, we... Families were talking about how education is great and how we, you know, obviously we need to learn um, more academic skills. And Mm -hmm. uh, if for some folks, working towards a GED is really important. Um, But then families were also saying, like, well, we need to make money and we need enterprise. And um, so we had a unique opportunity in 2005 that there was a group from the city that had created the Forest Grove Farmers Market. Mm. It was sort of failing, (laughs) and they were trying to figure out an organization that could take it on that had deeper-rooted connections with the community Mm -hmm. and that might yeah, might find it a yeah, fun project. It, yeah. To, yeah. So we took it on. Um, and that same year, our director of agriculture likes to call them the twin programs mm. because the same year we had an opportunity to um, start our sustainable ag program. And we had a little bit of land that we were uh, working with Pacific University and Metroland um, okay. to have some farmers out there. Mm. So as families were able to farm, then they could also sell their produce at the Forest Grove Farmer's Market. Um, So they were kind of growing up together there. And the first couple of years, we had a handful of vendors at the market, and we had to, you know, beg some folks to be there. And year after year, it grew. It used to be maybe four or five vendors behind the Safeway, and then it moved on to kind of a side street in downtown. Mm -hmm. We started filling that up, and then it grew uh, grew out of that street space. And uh, was moved onto the main street of uh, 
in Forest Grove and downtown Forest Grove. And then um, we've even, on some first Wednesdays when we have more vendors, we spread across two streets. Oh, wow. So it's pretty amazing that it's gone from just that couple of folks to much bigger. And what led to that growth? Like, how did that process look? Because I'm sure there were challenges and wins, but how did it go from those four vendors to now spilling across the street yeah. in the same <laughs> area? Because that's huge growth. Yeah. Well, I think as the sustainable ag program started to grow and we got more people interested in that, mm. and then also our – because some families were really interested in that and some families will said, well – I really want to cook or I really want to have a um, cleaning business or I really want to, I have DJ skills and Mm -hmm. I want to become a DJ. And um, all of those non-ag businesses started forming too, um, which the Forest Grove Farmers Market really focuses on agricultural products and food products. Mm -hmm. Um, But as those farmers started to grow up, we also attracted some other local farmers in the area and some other food businesses to come in Mm -hmm. um, with specialty products, with hot foods, all of those kinds of things. And I think um, it isn't a participant-only farmers market. We do have other a lot of other vendors and food producers Mm. in the area and so I think once it started to catch on and we got more customers there and really adding to the cross-cultural exchange too we really feel like that's a big part of our market Mm -hmm. we have a salsa fest every year we have um, we celebrate day of the dead the last market of the season Mm -hmm. Um, and that seemed to attract more and more people in and um, getting all sorts of cultures there and um, so and just sharing in that love of food and Mm -hmm. love of community yeah, it sounds like food is going to attract people from all different yeah. cultures. That, that's such a great conversation starter. Yeah. yeah. One of our first um, non-participant vendors is a family, Hmong family, who mm-hmm. grows flowers and some other vegetables. Um, and they've been with the market for several years now, for a long time. And um, it's been great to have them. We have another family that has Hungarian-style pastries Mm. that they make. And, um, yeah, another woman that has – she's from uh, England, and she makes different Mm English-style pastries, too. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a whole smattering of different – cultures and people that um, join in in that community and are sharing those that love of food. Yeah, and it, I guess you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that is really the aspect of that cultural heritage, that there's a place and a venue for that to be celebrated. It sounds like that that's how that's addressed. And yeah. You sort of wrap your arms around it in that regard. Yeah, and that, that comes out in even the vegetables that, that our farmers Mm. choose to grow, right? So um, prepared foods, yes, but then there's a whole variety of different vegetables, as you know. Yeah. And when participants come into the sustainable ag class, we we advise on things on crop rotation and, mm-hmm. and crop planning. And part of that is saying, hey, you know, you really have a talent for growing this um, papicha herb or you have um, the the knowledge and experience growing all of these different varieties of chiles and you should do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's people will will like that and um, they'll yeah. be curious about that. 
and and maybe introduce some of these other vegetables that you've never grown before. But there are people that will be looking for those types of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both celebrating that cultural heritage and bringing on new traditions and um, new varieties of different things. And on the flip side, too, educating the public about new yeah. different types of vegetables and things. Or what do I do with all of these chili peppers? <laughs> right. How do I use them to make salsa? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever the different uses are. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did the produce prescription program start? And how does that interplay with the market? And I don't know if even with the sustainable agriculture program. Yeah. Yeah. So the produce prescription program, we had been hearing about these different veggie RX programs mm-hmm. and um, using vegetables as medicine. Yes. Um, and we just thought that, wow, that's, that's a really cool concept. And it seems so basic, but um, in some ways our healthcare system has gone the other direction and yeah. we need to pull it up back in. And um, and we have this market and, um, and we know that a lot of the, our families do struggle with uh, obesity and diabetes mm-hmm. and these very preventable, in some ways, preventable um, ailments and and diseases. And Mm -hmm. so um, we started working with a program called Wholesome Wave for other nutrition incentives at the farmer's markets, Mm. matching SNAP dollars. We heard from them about this fruit and vegetable RX program that they were running. And we applied for some funding um, to start our own program. And time passed, and I contacted the foundation that we had applied to and hadn't heard anything. And finally, I was like, okay, well, if it happens, it happens. And then um, in the fall of 2013, we finally, after two years, got a response from this foundation saying, (laughs) sure, we're going to give you the money, and you should do this, which was a huge surprise and a delight because we had been wanting to do this for so long. And um, so in 2014, at the beginning of the season, we had a bunch of conversations with Virginia Garcia Memorial Health Clinic. Mm And they were fantastic in really wanting to partner and seeing this as uh, an important program to their patients. Mm -hmm. So in 2014, we worked with one patient care uh, team there and one doctor, and she identified different patients that she thought, oh, they would be really good for this program. Yeah referred them onto the program and we started just with nine families Mm -hmm. and um, they would they came for the initial orientation we're a little hesitant like what is this all about Um, we explained more of the details that it wouldn't be painful (laughs) or we hoped that it wouldn't be painful yeah no (laughs) zucchini shots Um, but but really it was uh, an opportunity for them to explore new foods maybe they've never tried before and get excited about eating more fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. and um, so the way that it works is that the uh, healthcare provider um, refers onto the program because of some sort of diet related disease Mm. and it can be the 13 year old son that is pre-diabetic or it could be um, the mom that is overweight. It, it doesn't really matter who in the family, but we enroll right. the whole family. Oh, okay. And so each household gets um, $6 in fruit and veggie prescriptions mm-hmm. um, 
so $6 per person per week in the household. Um, so for a family of four, it's just shy of $100 a month that okay. they get in these fruit and vegetable vouchers. And those are redeemable at the Forest Grove Farmer's Market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get those vouchers every week that they come to the market. And um, and they can spend them really on, if they want to buy strawberries that week, they can buy strawberries. If they want to buy um, carrots and celery and yeah. potatoes, whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And because the Farmer's Market obviously offers seasonable seasonal vegetables that changes every week or every yeah, month yeah. and what's available. Um, so along with just the vouchers, we also offer a monthly cooking class. Mm. Um, and it's not just a cooking class, though. <laughs> it's really a family workshop. The first part of um, that session, we actually go around the room and just kind of have a discussion about what's going well, what's mm-hmm. been challenging, um, to let the group, the cohort of families talk talk out some things that maybe yeah. they've struggled with, or um, even sharing ideas of, oh my gosh, this farmer told me about kale and how to like bake it in the oven and then you get these kale chips and then and sprinkle a little bit of salt on it and it's tasty and my kids are eating them and yeah. this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. So that's really fun and and plays back into that idea of holistic education. Yes. That we're not just throwing out services or throwing out recipes, but we're really allowing for that conversation, those mm-hmm. relationship building. Um, diet is a really personal thing. It is. And it's hard to change. <laughs> it's super hard to change. Even if you know you should. It's like yeah. an ingrained habit that is like really emotionally attached to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these traditions and yes. these things that maybe you're used to Friday morning, you've got your cup of coffee and your pastry in the morning. And yes. that's, <laughs> that's very deep rooted in your routine. Totally. And so to be able to share that space with these families that are, are struggling just the same and to mm-hmm. say, you know, you can do it. Like it's you got this, you know, yeah. and, and I've got this, and mm-hmm. we can do this together and form change those habits more. Yeah. Um, so then, then we do. Um, sometimes we'll talk about even substitutions and recipes. So mm. if uh, an omelet calls for, you find this recipe for an omelet, and it calls for spinach. Um, but you can't find any spinach at the market, but you can find chard or you can mm. find this or that that you can substitute in there. We talk a lot about that and just yeah. being more creative with um, using the ingredients that are available. To learn more about Slow Food Portland and join our newsletter to get updates on events and new podcast episodes, go to slowfoodportland.com. And so what changes have you seen being, I guess, now a year and a half out of that initial prescription? Like, are people eating more vegetables and getting excited about vegetables? Because yeah. that sounds like it's probably one of the goals, that it's yeah. not like, oh, the doctor told me to eat more vegetables, right. but I'm feeling better, and so I want to eat more. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, the first year we were just grateful that these nine families had signed up right. and that were coming and they were redeeming their vouchers and we're like, okay, this is great. Yeah. And even just building that appreciation for the quality and the taste of the food that was mm. available, um, 
I remember sitting down and talking to a mom um, whose girls were sitting right next to her, and we had uh, just finished up with this um, with one of the workshops, and they were eating this. Uh, I think it was it were mixed greens, and we had some strawberries on there, and they were like the first strawberries of the season. Yeah. We just picked them up from the farmer the that morning, mm-hmm. and um, and her girls were just mowing on those strawberries and really enjoying the salad. And the mom said, these strawberries are are actually sweet. Mm -hmm. And the ones that we find at the grocery store, they're expensive and they don't taste like anything. And we were excited just that that appreciation and that realization of what local foods and and fresh foods can taste like and that that's expensive inspiring to actually eat them mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then in 2015 when we uh, we invited some of those same families back for a second year and we um, added on a second cohort of families so we had 19 families total the second oh, wow. year so you doubled practically we doubled yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um and we s- split them up into two cohorts because the kitchen that we use is a little bit smaller yeah but yeah and um we really started then in that second year seeing more of those health impacts mm. and seeing um how that how it changed families perspectives on um what what they were doing in their daily routine yeah. So one of the first sessions of that second year, there was a woman that came in and was talking to the rest of the group during that kind of sharing period. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, this has just been so, so impactful on my family because before my husband has diabetes and um, he has to take insulin and, and um, medication for that and that he used to eat a stack of tortillas every night with his meal. Right. And we've just started walking as a family. I started using more vegetables and what I'm cooking and incorporating more of that into the regular meals that we're used to. Mm-hmm. He started eating more vegetables. My, my daughter started eating more vegetables. Um, and now he's down to two tortillas a night. Wow. And he's actually able to control his diabetes more with with diet and exercise mm-hmm. and it was you know everybody was kind of like yeah that's that's great and for the new families coming in to hear that from someone mm-hmm. else that has been committed to this that really started believing in using you know believing in fruits and vegetables yeah. <laughs> as a yeah. way to heal yourself and that that could be incorporated as part of your daily routine mm-hmm. was huge mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it is, you know, it gave us goosebumps. So we're like, okay, this is possible. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that was, wasn't the only story that came out. Right. Um, People were talking about just having more energy. They talked about, um, there was one family that shared about how choice, Mm -hmm. that they finally had choice to give to their kids. Mm. So, what this family would do is go to the market and they'd have their vouchers and um, they would actually be able to say to their kids, like, you know, what what do you want to eat this week? Do you yeah. want carrots? Do you want peppers? Do you want apples? What, do you, you know, what, mm-hmm. what sounds good to you? And I think that's something that oftentimes we take for granted yeah. that we do have a lot of, you know, people with more, uh, with higher incomes don't 
tend to think about that as much. Right. And when you're on a limited income, you oftentimes are driven by the price of what you need to buy mm-hmm. and just to get enough food on the table for your family. And not everybody, not all kids have the choice to eat an apple yeah. because sometimes that's just not possible in the budget, mm-hmm. um, the family budget. And so to have to be able to give that choice to your kids and to say, this is you know, celebrate that you you can go out and pick what healthy foods you want to eat. Yeah, um, just encourages those habits at an, a young age. Mm-hmm. And I think when we eat what we want to eat, you know, maybe you don't like celery. Right. <laughs> you know, that's right. okay. But you can get all over the carrots. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we don't all have to like every single vegetable or right. every single fruit. But um, to be able to gain that access to finding a variety of different things that suit your taste buds Mm -hmm. um, and that really uh, then you're motivated to eat more (laughs) of those things yeah yeah. and I love too how that idea that it was a year later that I think it is such powerful medicine in that regard the food and of course lifestyle and those things but it doesn't have the allure of like oh next week you might feel better like there's just incremental changes that happen over consistency to so to have people around who are there a year later who are like oh whoa when I look at this past year and I can see these major changes that's I think really necessary if someone's taking it on that they know like oh I can expect changes six months or a year from now rather than in a couple days or a couple weeks because that can sometimes be disappointing at the onset I think of those changes yeah yeah and I think that's really where we we wanted to create the program and the structure of the program where there would be more long-term mm-hmm. um, relationships built in this. Yeah. And we see that the farmer's market is a perfect opportunity for those relationships because not only in those monthly cooking classes are you in the same cohort, you're seeing the same um, mm-hmm. staff members too, and um, your patient care coordinator is there participating alongside you, um, but also at the farmer's market, you're seeing the same farmers, you're yes. seeing um, the same community members, you're seeing other folks in your group that are also shopping there. Yeah, And I think that that's a a bit different than the grocery experience, right? Mm -hmm. You go to the grocery store and maybe the checker's the same person, but they're not helping you select what vegetables you want to try. And the farmers, what we've seen, have really taken that on as an honor to be a teacher in Mm -hmm. a way Mm -hmm. and um, to encourage folks to try new things, try new recipes, um, or try this vegetable that I grew that I'm not really sure what to do with it, but come back next week and tell me (laughs) how you cooked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's just you have a lot of people supporting you and cheering you Mm -hmm. on in that process. Yeah, but the vision I see is like you can see the hands more closely like you have a connection to the hands that are growing or offering or teaching like that's all just so much more interconnected or at least readily visible yeah it's obviously interconnected at the grocery store but it's we're not seeing it because we don't have that same interaction with people yeah. as much. And it's harder to buy those vegetables and then mm-hmm. let them sit and rot in your refrigerator yes. knowing that someone worked so hard mm-hmm. to make those possible yes. and to grow those for you. So Yeah, that's it's, very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's encouraging. I need to eat that yes. and figure out how to cook it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
So a major slow food value is fair. And so, of course, that really ties into this idea of social justice. Um, and it seems like the challenge is twofold. Like there's increasing market access to growers. So if someone maybe is in the sustainable ag program, having a place for them to go and sell their vegetables, but then also increasing access at those markets to people mm-hmm. on a limited income. So how has Adelante Mujeres and these programs address both sides of that equation? Yeah, I think on the producer side, um, we do offer a lot of technical assistance and um, one-on-one coaching as far mm. as how to bring those vegetables, those beautiful vegetables that you've grown, how do you market those? Yeah. And that there are several channels. It, you know, the, it doesn't just end at the farmer's market. In mm-hmm. fact, we encourage growers to um, use several different means to sell their vegetables to diversify yeah. that, mm-hmm. those those marketing outlets, right? Right. Um, So at the market, that means part of the classes and part of the technical assistance is is talking about display of your vegetables Mm. and um, how do you apply to farmer's markets? How do you, you know, what does the application look like? What are some of the licensing or what are some of the requirements um, that will be asked of you for different markets? Right. Um, Part of of that too is working with other market managers because we know that um, there are farmers that we work with that are growing in Hillsboro or are um, farming in near Salem or, or other places and that um, there are other farmers markets out there than other yeah. than just ours. So even just being a point to the market manager at wherever else they're going mm-hmm. to sell at and letting them know they're just starting out, like if there's any communication issues, let us know, maybe we can help Right, um, kind of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. bridge that gap there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so uh, I don't know if that <laughs> yeah. gets to some of the support for, for yes. vendors. Um, and we also have the distributor program, which I... Yeah, yeah, okay. no, I'd love for you to talk more about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we, a couple of years ago, we started the um, Adelante distributor program. And part of it, we sell to institutions, we sell to um, catering companies, Bon Appetit inside mm. of Intel, and mm-hmm. um, these larger institutions that have cafeterias that they're uh, cooking yeah. for. Um, so we're selling to those folks, we're selling to restaurants, we're selling to uh, to schools, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then on an individual level, we have, or family level, we have an aggregated CSA, too. Oh, okay. Community support agriculture yes yeah um so what we found originally we were trying to match farmers up individually with those institutions or the restaurants or the schools Mm. to sell but because a lot of our participants are growing on maybe an acre or less yeah um they're not able to produce the amount of produce that and cafeteria is going to need Mm. Um, and we'll never be able well I don't want to say never but (laughs) we're not necessarily aiming to be the next Cisco right Right. Right. Um, we're a small small distribution Mm -hmm. um, program Um, but we were finding that by making those connections the farmers weren't quite ready they didn't have all of the communication or business skills that they needed to keep that relationship going individually Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the amount of produce to be able to 
supply the demand. Right. So we jumped ship on that idea or shifted gears Gears. a little bit Mm -hmm. and decided that we would um, have aggregate that produce from the farmers. So farmer B over here has, you know, 10 pounds of tomatoes and this farmer has 15 pounds of tomatoes and this, you know, so we, we collect that all together um, and are able to fulfill more of those orders from Mm -hmm. larger uh, institutions. And meanwhile, helping farmers understand the quality that kitchens are looking for, for the varieties and um, some of those other business skills that need to happen there. Um, So it's been quite the learning process over the last couple of years um, (laughs) to start this distribution, Um, but sales have increased and the number of farmers participating has increased over the last Mm -hmm. couple of years too. Um, And the number of CSA members has increased. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. And and eventually it may look like after a while, once this farmer is more established and maybe has more land to produce Mm -hmm. more things on, um, they might be able to, and they've had this experience of what does it look like packing up and how does the kitchen want to receive those vegetables, um, then they may be able to also take on contracts on their own too. Right. It almost seems like the distribution center allows like an interpretation of like the expectations on both sides exactly. and streamlines the process so then it can be expanded or like, oh, now I know how this runs. I can establish this relationship somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of the producer side of things. Mm-hmm. On the consumer side of things, um, wow, since 2009, we... Um, started nutrition incentive programs at the farmer's market. So Eric Slosher, who uh, wrote Fast Food Nation, Mm. um, came to speak at Pacific University. And there were some folks in the audience afterwards. He was taking questions. And someone raised their hand and said, so what do we do about this? You know, what's the next step? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, well, that's not really for me to say. You need to ask your community and talk with your community about how to make changes here locally. Yeah. And someone else stood up and they started talking about, well, there's, I heard about the SNAP match program and basically customers with um, federal benefits or nutrition and nutrition benefits can come to a farmer's market, swipe their SNAP card, and get SNAP tokens to spend there to use their mm-hmm. um, nutrition benefit dollars, but also receive a few extra tokens um, to make their dollars go farther. Yeah. Make it a more viable way to shop mm-hmm. or place to shop. And um, and so somebody said, well, why don't we pass a hat around? Mm-hmm. So here's the hat going around, and people are putting in change, emptying their pockets and things, and that's really how our Snap Match program started. Oh, wow. In 2009, yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool. Roots. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and it ran out pretty fast, you know, but right. then we used that as leverage to get more donations and to get other grants to spin that off and Mm -hmm. and grow it into a larger program. Um, So folks with SNAP benefits um, can spend them at our market. And a couple years later then, well, we said, why can't 
folks with WIC um, mm-hmm. coupons, the Women, Infants, and Children benefit um, for pregnant pregnant moms and, and um, kids up to five. Yeah. Um, they should be able to spend these here too. So we were authorized through the state to be able to accept those, or mm-hmm. farmers to accept those, um, and to be a market that receives those. Um, and then we said, well, why don't we match those too? Yeah. <laughs> because that's really important, and it'll drive more families to um, be encouraged to shop at the market. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, fast forward to today, we're accepting SNAP, WIC, uh, regular WIC, WIC coupons, uh, Farm Direct Nutrition Program vouchers for mm-hmm. WIC families and seniors that receive those vouchers as well. Um, and we match all of them. And so are those matched through donations or grants? That's how the matching of, happens? Yeah. Okay. Up, up to this point, it's been um, grants and, and donations mm-hmm. from the community or sponsorship funds. Part of that goes into... Mm. Um, this, the matching program. Yeah. This year, we are working with Farmers Market Fund, and uh, they're working with about 50 markets across the state of Oregon that are rebranding that matching program for matching SNAP, and mm-hmm. it's called Double Up Food Bucks. Okay. And so it's all the same like joint branding and um, marketing for that program. And it's allowed us, they received a federal grant through the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Program Mm -hmm. through USDA. Um, It's a new granting program. And they, um, so they're implementing this throughout the state and growing new partners for that. Um, But it's allowed us to increase our match up to $10. And there's the Double Up Food Bucks uh, cards are redeemable at any of the markets that run that program. Mm, mm-hmm. So it also allows for customers, if they maybe live between two towns and they go to both farmers markets, yeah, they can to use those at either. Yeah. Yeah. So as we tie up, I would love to get your perspective on what good, clean, fair means to you. <laughs> no small feet. <laughs> wow. <Big> yeah. Words. <laughs> Um, I think it really does go back to that idea of looking at things holistically, mm-hmm. that a tomato isn't just a tomato, but it's connected to people, it's connected to land, it's connected to finances too, really. And um, when we're thinking about our food, we can't necessarily just isolate one thing of price or of who's growing it, but what methods they're using. And um, it's hard. It's <laughs> fair and clean and good food. Slow food is um, is sometimes difficult to um, eat in your daily routine. Yeah. And I think when working with um, families on limited incomes, it becomes even more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so I would say that good, clean, and fair food really does put into play all of those interconnected components of where my food is coming from, how it's grown, and how it's presented in the end um, to my community, and how that's received, how that's celebrated, um, and how we're eating it together. (laughs) 